0: Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show.
1: Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie
0: Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm Sam. I'm a nurse, powerlifter, podcaster, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today we're talking off the clock, Mm. like white claws in hand.
1: Massively off the
0: clock. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. No, that song is cringe, but it's also like, let's do it. Let's yeah. talk about sex. Yeah, yeah. We're getting Sexy behind the time. mic
1: with uh, Dr. Justin LaMiller. He's
0: the best. Oh, he's he a gem. He has a soothing voice. Like, you were in for a treat because <laughs> you could just, like, lay down, turn the lights slow, do it, I don't know, set the mood. Absolutely. He has a very soothing voice. He does.
1: All good vibes. Um, And this week's unpopular opinion is definitely on brand with this week's
0: topic. Okay, because what's the deal with nipples? Mm. (laughs) I just gotta like, why do we have such a big emphasis on nipples? Like, yeah. men versus women. And, like you know, the whole free the nipple thing on Instagram. Free
1: the nipple. Like yes. Like, why
0: can men show their nipples and women can't?
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's it a great down, question. Is it because
0: of the actual nipple? Is it an areola problem? hmm Or is it the actual, like, there's breast tissue and then a nipple? Because men can show their nipples and it's the same fucking nipple yeah yeah yeah. so I don't get it
1: yeah Sam came in hot like (laughs) no bra just chilling living living her best life like
0: honestly sometimes it's just like you gotta let them breathe free free the
1: nipple okay here's my take on this i personally i love i love my bras i love to keep them the girls bras. up and up and tight like i love it but there's definitely i can't breathe okay well
0: like right now i want to take my bra off.
1: also the moment when you take off the bra every woman knows like that glorious moment
0: it is the first thing i do when i get home yes like bra off and then i'm just like you can
1: breathe <sighs> Yes. Yeah. There's that whole idea too, like just as an extension of like breastfeeding in public, right? It's like, Some people are very uncomfortable with that. But like, why? Why are we so uncomfortable with this?
0: Like, how is it any different than feeding a bottle?
1: Right? Like, you go to other countries and women in these countries are just out there breastfeeding their kids. Just, it's normal. It's not sexualized. I feel like it's very sexualized for some reason. It's weird. Yeah, for sure. But then there's the idea of like, okay, because we talked about this earlier. Like, the idea of like breastfeeding in front of your dad. Like, you know. I don't... I you know I could do without mixed mixed mix reviews on that yeah like I just think for me personally but like if your
0: baby's hungry and you cover them with a blanket that's fine for sure for sure but I don't want to like have a conversation with you <laughs> while there is lips on my nipples even if they're there for the purpose of nourishment and growing a human being yeah I could do without that yeah maybe but I just don't get why it's such a big deal in the metaverse. Right. Instagram's right. stupid. But right. I don't get it. Like, and then, okay, like, let's say you're extremely small chested as a female, mm-hmm. but you still can't show your nipple. Mm-hmm. But a, a man, some of these big boys out there with them D cups, <laughs> like, how is that? Like, what is the how difference? How's there any different?
1: Got lots of tissue there. Have you seen the, it's like a trending TikTok where the mom of the family, just looks at her husband and her child and she goes that moment when you realize everyone in the house has sucked on your nipples
0: <laughs> i have not but it's great i'm here I mean, for that it That is a moment yeah it's yeah, yeah. a moment in time for
1: sure yeah free the nipple you know enjoy enjoy it however you want to do it
0: i just feel like especially like it shouldn't be a big deal to wear like so i'm not even talking about actually being able to see actual areola right and whatever but just like a nipple print on a shirt Oh, why do we make that such a big deal like yeah. i don't want to wear a bra sometimes shirt- so i was wearing a backless shirt and it was adorbs <laughs> it looked cuter backless like having your fully yeah exposed. yeah yeah you want to show it off so i couldn't wear a bra and i was like nips out mm-hmm. what's up here it's for a little it chilly in
1: here hello yeah, yeah. i think I there's certain know. shirts where definitely you know we're rocking it without the bra for sure yeah. i do love a sexy lacy bra moment like i'm here for that too but yeah, the whole oh, idea. I'm all about
0: like a cute yeah. little like lacy bra. But I just think that we we're so weird about nipples and nudity.
1: Well, yeah. And sexuality in general. Like, yeah, it's normalize like, it.
0: Yeah. So like nude beaches is like super common in other countries. Mm-hmm. And it's not that like there's certain people like I don't have any desire to see them naked. Right. But it's like. We don't have to sexualize things like I don't even know. Just like I feel like we just don't mind our fucking business enough in this country. Oh,
1: that's a good. That's a
0: good. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my unpopular opinion. <laughs> mind your business. But, like if I want to walk down the street naked, like mind your business. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Don't look. If you don't like it, don't look. <laughs> that's what I say about me in a bathing suit, because there's all sorts of cellulite happening and just a lot going on. And it's like, if you don't like it. Don't look right. Don't right. look at it because yeah. these thunder thighs are coming out to play, baby. For if you sure. don't like it, don't look. <laughs> I don't know. Free the nipple. Free the nip. Yeah, I'm here for it. Pro, I'm very pro nipple. <laughs> All right. This week, you guys. Okay. Oh. Uh, favorite. Okay. So Dr. Justin Lee Miller is a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. He's the author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Honestly, go get it. It's on Amazon, mm-hmm. link in bio or whatever. It's legit. But he received his PhD in social psychology from Purdue University. He's an award winning educator. He's been honored three times with with the Certificate of Teaching Excellence from Harvard University, where he taught for several years.
1: He's also a prolific researcher and scholar who's published more than 50 academic works to date, including a textbook titled The Psychology of Human Sexuality, which we actually get into. We talk about this Mm -hmm. on the show. Uh, Dr. LaMiller's research also focuses on topics including casual sex, sexual fantasy, sexual health, and of course, friends with benefits. That's going to be a hot topic (laughs) today. And he's been featured on Vice, Netflix, on the series Sex Explained, Playboy, Dr. Phil, CNN, Psychology Today, and the New York Times. You guys, this is a big one. He has been on so many amazing podcasts that we are big fans of as well. So without further ado, do let's get into it with dr Lamiller.
0: nsfw put your ear pods in <laughs> okay well this just worked
1: out so well i don't even know how this worked out this this well we literally emailed you
0: got a response on what friday, <laughs> friday? <laughs>
1: Never happens, you know, as
0: a podcaster.
2: Yeah, like forty-eight hours later, here I am in your hometown, like,
0: like this was meant in to your be basement <laughs> with some white claws and trulies. Yep. So you know this episode's going to be good Absolutely. because whenever you get me white claw, yeah. I'm popping. Uh, <laughs> I got no bra on today. We got I got opinions. Let's go. Let's go. Speaking of
1: opinions, okay, we like to ask this to all of our guests. What is your unpopular opinion?
2: I've got a few, but I think. One that immediately comes to mind is that relationships, good relationships are work, right? They require a lot of effort and they're just kind of hard to maintain. And I think so many people tend to think that relationships should work out easily. And if you just meet the right person, it's all going to like be smooth sailing, happily ever after. And it's just a fairy tale. And unfortunately, you got to put the effort in if you want to get a relationship that lasts and get everything that you want out of it.
0: God, amen to that.
1: I would agree with that as a single person over here i'm like
0: yes (laughs) you're like yeah bitch you work i see rings on fingers on everyone in this room and i'm like hmm you better be working it's a valid point
2: you know and being single is underrated like yes the autonomy the independence amen to that
0: can i just say i don't the longer i've been single the more i don't know that i could get in a relationship
1: i want to get into your mind a little bit
0: <laughs> I, it's a dark place a there's a lot place. happening up there i don't know if we want to let's well as i drink this white claw we can dive in this yeah. thing because i think sam's having the
1: midlife moment sure. like the new car the teeth the boob jobs <laughs> all the things the
0: botox and then i just got cheek filler dating apps yeah <laughs> It was great. And so I'm living
1: vicariously. Someone I'm told living... me
0: I was too old for Tinder like four years ago, uh, but I finally just made one at 36 and my bio says me first, you maybe. <laughs> and I love that for myself, to be honest.
2: Now you got me wondering like <laughs> what, what comes after Tinder? Like, is there a whole progression oh, of dating apps like there is. different decades?
0: Jeez. Oh, for decades. I don't know. It was a someone in their twenties when they, it was my powerlifting coach that owns my gym. The first time he met me when I was 32 and recently single, I'd never been on apps before. The last time I was single, apps didn't exist. Like you had to literally get on your computer and log into match.com. Yeah.
2: That was it.
0: Yeah. So now I'm single. And all of a sudden there's this whole new world of dating apps. And he's like, you're single. Oh, you need to get on the apps. And looked me dead in the eyes and said, but you're too old for Tinder. Oh, I took, <laughs> wow. that. I took that. I'm still like, I have, I'm still emotionally wow. affected by that. Yeah, four scarred. years later. Scarred for life. But you know what? I decided I travel for work now. Yeah. You know, Got needs. Got it. Got Girl. needs on the road. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna make a Tinder. Get and, it queen. You know, I was yeah. like, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> so I, I did it and it's been great. Have you done any research on the apps?
2: I've done a bit. Oh. Oh, yeah. let's
1: talk about that. I'm just curious, like how they I,
2: I mean, I haven't done a ton of research on it. Some of it, the early work was more focused on, you know, sort of STI risk in terms of people who use. Dating apps like does that facilitate oh, more STDs? Does or not? it? <laughs> and you know, asking for myself, <laughs> asking for a friend? <laughs> <I> was myself. <laughs> and actually, the the conclusion of our study was essentially that apps don't facilitate more STDs because the people who tend to gravitate toward the apps tend to be more sexually active off apps as well as on apps compared to other people and so it's not really the apps themselves it just tends to select for a different user base um the other work that we've done on dating apps has kind of been you know during the pandemic and how Mm. that's all changed yeah right of course you saw more people using it for the first time but people using it in different ways which i thought was really cool where they were actually having intimate conversations and really taking time to get to know somebody before meeting them in person which previously it tended to be very superficial like you swipe you match you mm-hmm. meet like within a very short period of time right now people i think have realized you know you can use this to cultivate a much greater degree of intimacy than you ever thought
0: it is a really good pre-screening tool yeah right it's like you mm-hmm. can kind of weed out a lot of things just by having some really good conversations with people. Yeah, for sure. Because I've kind of, you swipe based on looks, let's be real. <laughs> That's, so it's a very superficial, like, storefront. Yeah. Some people might have some immediate red flags in their bio that you're like, oh, you're hot, but no, or... Yeah, like something that you're just like, we just wouldn't have connect. some things where they put some substantial stuff in their bio where you're like, oh, that's really cool. I'm into those things. I want to talk more. But then you really get into the convo, which is the pre-screen background interview. And you're like, e abort, abort mission. So, <laughs> and I'm out. Yeah. And for okay. that reason, I'm out.
1: So we're very fascinated by journeys and, you know, where people really came from. So can you tell us a little background about yourself, give some context to the audience about who you are?
2: Sure. So I come from a smallish town in Northeastern Ohio and went to a Catholic school for much of my educational journey. So I got the abstinence-based sex ed. Same, mm-hmm. same,
1: same. All yeah. girl Catholic school here, baby. Mm. Yeah. And
2: I even went to a Catholic college and a Catholic university for my master. So I just, I literally got no sex ed. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, when I was Growing up, coming of age in the 90s, like we had America Online and my mom had this uh, five hour per month subscription, like literally five hours a month of internet access for a family of five. And she's like, how could anyone need more than one hour of internet access per <laughs> oh, month?
0: Those were the days, like, like, right? That's what, exactly. Now yeah. we're glued to our phones. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's like, mom, I spend more than five hours a day on the internet now. But, you know, my point <laughs> in saying that was just that I didn't have like access to all of this sex related information that people today do we literally just had like this set of encyclopedias that someone sold door to door sitting in our basement so I knew nothing about sex and it wasn't until I was already working on my PhD in my mid-20s I got assigned to be a teaching assistant for a human sexuality course and that course just opened my eyes to this whole world of sex education and research and I was already studying romantic relationships and it's like why aren't we also talking about sex because sex is kind of an important part of relationships. So that's really kind of what sparked the initial interest and kind of set me down that path of wanting to study and research and educate people about sex.
0: So what was like the first research kind of project you did about sexuality?
2: The very first study was on friends with benefits. My
1: favorite. Oh, <laughs> this sounds this sounds like a good one. Okay, so
2: okay. As, as part of that human sexuality course. I had to lead these weekly discussion sections with students, and they would ask me like all their sex questions, and I was supposed to have the answers, but I didn't because Catholic school. Right, right, you're like, oh no! <laughs> yeah. And so I got all these questions about friends with benefits, and I went to look at the research to see, you know, is there anything out there? And it's like there was literally nothing. So I decided to conduct some studies of my own and so I've been studying friends with benefits for gosh I think 15 years or so so I have point. also been studying it personally
0: for 15 years I don't I have just my own personal research but I want to see if that aligns with your actual sure. academic scholarly work okay yeah I want to hear about this yeah. so,
2: so we've looked at a lot of things and you can tell me how you want to go but we looked at you know what are people's motivations for going into it how do you heterosexual men and women differ in terms of why they want to start these relationships where do they go we actually did a longitudinal study to look at how do things actually work out can you go back to being just friends does it work out if you want to turn it into a romantic relationship and then also just generally how do you make it work so any of those things you want to talk about i got an answer
1: (laughs) yeah 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 this is really really interesting well i think it's relevant right i'm like oh we've all had one we've all had
2: one all of us. Well, it turns out most people have had sex with a friend before. So in nationally representative US samples, about 60% of people say they've had sex with a friend, which I think is surprising to a lot of people. You know, we don't tend to think of our friends as our sex partners, but it turns out for most of us at right. some point they are. Right. So in terms of sort of why people get into these relationships, they're all over the board. You know, for some people, it's really because they actually want to deepen that friendship with this other person and cultivate a new intimacy. Some people, they want to start a romantic relationship and kind of like do it in a stealthy way. It's like their <laughs> way to
0: sneak in the yeah, back door. Right. It's,
2: it's And sometimes literally, you know, yeah. it's like... <laughs> they're like, I'm into butt play. <laughs>
0: got him, <'em>, got him. Sneaking <laughs> that
2: back door <laughs> Uh, You know, and sometimes it's also kind of just like this temporary thing, like, I don't want a relationship. I don't want commitment right now. And so this is a temporary placeholder. So, you know, people are all over the board, but men and women on average differ men more likely to go into it just kind of wanting the benefits wanting the sex open-ended opportunity don't necessarily want it to turn into anything more and women are much more likely to want it to actually turn into a relationship or to go back to being friends at some point so there's often this mismatch of expectations and that's what we see in the longitudinal research is that when people aren't on the same page and especially when one person wants to turn it into a romance yeah it doesn't work out for Mm -hmm. sure and you know if you look at motivations at time one and what actually happens a year later in our study the people who wanted romance for the least successful in <laughs> getting what they That's wanted. That's what I was going right. to
1: ask. is like outcomes. Like what, like are, are these relationships typically successful or not? I'm just curious. Yeah.
2: So it depends on your measure of success. You know, what we find is people are divided into roughly four equal buckets. You know, there's one quarter, you know, after a year who are still friends with benefits. There's another quarter who have gone back to being just friends, no sex. Another quarter who have gone on to become uh, romantic partners and then the rest are like frenemies like there's just nothing oh, okay. i have like going one on between from between every them. bucket <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. i'm
0: serious like i have a friend with benefits that, since yeah. 2019 yeah and what are we in 2022 we're still straight chilling i call him bro mm-hmm. i'm like what's up bro like blow my back out tonight or not like that's how i talk <laughs> to him genuinely and Love it's like, real. fine and then i have some people that it's like we are friend. like we are not cool is this
1: is the one that broke your bed
0: that one the bra bra broke my bed yeah i was like i, it's I think it sounds familiar it's yes. still broken yeah um and then i have like been friends with benefits with someone that it turned into a very long-term relationship so i don't know is there
1: psychology about people who choose friends with benefits <laughs> yeah. all the
0: time over and over
2: well yes i mean there are <laughs> really? some different personality profiles that are linked to greater satisfaction in a friends with benefits relationship. Um, it's so some of them sort of center around what I would call the sex seeking personality traits, you know, people who maybe have an easier time separating sex from emotion, who kind of prefer more thrilling or adventurous sexual activities. You know, they they tend to be happier in a friends with benefits context. Um, also, you know, th- there is some linkage to attachment style. Um, I was literally going to
1: ask this like attachment styles and the connection to this because I feel like that's really interesting. Yeah,
0: I'm actually, I've always been curious
1: about yours because I feel like that's like a really good,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, good. I think I need to be back in therapy probably. We'll <laughs> well, no, I'm first. here for it. I, I don't
2: know anything about your <laughs> attachment style, but for... I don't even think I know what mine
0: is. I think, I think it's a mix what are the attachments do you know
2: there's a lot of them um like three to four depending on which version of attachment theory you tend to subscribe to but the ones that i tend to focus more on are people who have what we call avoidant attachment styles where they're just a little uncomfortable with intimacy they don't want to get too close Mm -hmm. and so a friends with benefits relationship can actually be quite Nice for them in the sense that you don't have that expectation of commitment and you don't have to get too close and you know you can sort of manage it to meet your intimate needs. By contrast for people who have what we call an an anxious attachment style where they need a lot of reassurance and they're really worried about being abandoned. I find that they just don't tend to be happy in any kind of relationship. Mm, They're not happy in friends with benefits. They're not happy in romantic relationships. It doesn't matter if it's monogamous or non-monogamous. Just on average, they tend to be less satisfied. It's just seems a little bit harder to meet your needs if you're anxiously attached.
1: Interesting.
0: That makes sense though. Yeah, for sure.
1: I'm curious along this line, um, in terms of we're just gonna drive dive right in here, in terms of like heterosexual versus um the gay community because the openness is much more fluid. What are you finding your research about that? Because I'm really curious about the root of that. Like it seems like maybe this is like very generalization, um, but it seems like the gay community is just more open with these kinds of of you know, relationships and I'm just curious your research on that or even sexually. Yeah. Sexual in general. Like I love it. And I'm like, I wish the hetero would get our heads out of our butts (laughs) and just have fun with it. But I just, I am curious. I think our
0: hetero world is so Puritan. It comes from uh, such a religious upbringing. A lot of the times that people can't shake that into adulthood. Right.
2: So here's the way I look at it. If you are LGBTQ, If you're any part of that community, you've already violated the norm of heterosexuality, right? And there are social costs and repercussions associated with that. But once you've violated one sexual norm, it makes it a lot easier to transgress other social norms, right? The bar is just sort of lower if you've kind you of you say lower, I it. say more fun. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean the bar
1: I want to be at. Give me sparkles and rainbows all day.
2: It it depends on the way you you, you look at it. And yeah. so basically it just opens the door, mm-hmm. I think, to exploring the self more yeah. and to having more sexual freedom. Right. So when I look at the sexual fantasies of people who are sexual minorities versus cisgender heterosexual sexual minorities tend to have more taboo fantasies and just more kind of like adventuresome some fantasies across the board. And I think it's, there's two things going on there. One is that, you know, by transgressing that norm of heterosexuality, it creates more sexual freedom. But I also think people who might be more sexually free to begin with might acknowledge same sex attractions or something like that. Right. So it probably goes both directions there. And we would need to study to know like if one is more common than the other, but, yeah, I think that's what's going on. Interesting.
0: So this isn't science-based or research-based, whatever. This is just my own opinion. But I feel like everyone's a little gay like <laughs> <Yeah>. on the <laughs> spectrum. But I just feel like it's like how and, willing you are to like yeah. be open to it. And when I say like a little gay, it doesn't mean full-on like wanting to engage in like
1: Wait, homosexual, I, I love like this. sexual acts. What I think also is interesting for us is and I I'm sure there's research on this is I think the older you and I have gotten the more open you and I have gotten in terms of just like oh, I get, we like, are by the
0: day for sure absolutely <laughs>
1: like you're one step away from a lesbian and I love this for you but we also I feel like there's other people who go the other way who are who get more set in their ways maybe typically someone who's you know, in their thirties, they're married. And then all of a sudden religion and kids and like this core foundation is so important. And then I think for us, we tend to be on the other spectrum of more, the older we get, the more open we are with things. Is there, I mean, Talk to me. good yeah. things like, like <laughs> educate, like, us educate us. us. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so there's a lot of things. One is that people's personalities can change over time. You know, we tend to think of personality as this relatively stable characteristic of the self, but your personality can and does change. But it can change in different directions for different people, which explains why some people become more open with age just in general and other people tend to become much more restricted in in terms of their views and there could be a lot of different things that are going on and explaining that but um you know in terms of is everybody a little bit gay you know (laughs) it's my Uh, own opinion i said it's not (laughs) research i just feel
0: like even on the sense of being able to just say like maybe i don't want to engage in sexual acts with someone of the same sex but i can at least acknowledge like that's an attractive person person, and i might like i don't know i just feel like we're all a little like if if i'm watching porn
1: i'm usually watching the girl for sure (laughs) absolutely i don't usually yeah. yeah yeah
2: so so here's the way i think about it i published a book a few years back called tell me what you want and it's all about people's sexual fantasies and in that book i talk about us having sort of two different dials in the brain as a you know, sort of metaphor for how our sexuality works. And one of them is your sort of sexual orientation dial that looks at your attraction based on uh, the sex or gender of another person. I mean, there could actually be multiple dials, you know, one could be based on attractions towards sex, you know, male, female, another based on masculine, feminine, you know, however you want to look at it. But then there's this separate dial that is sort of just your general level of sexual openness. And so it works independently of where the other dials are. So for example, let's say you're somebody who is a woman and you're predominantly attracted to men, but your sexual openness dial is very high. Basically that makes it easier for you to explore same sex sexuality in say your fantasies or in reality at different points in your life it just sort of opens up the door based on different con- contexts different situations that feel like that that's you you. Might encounter. you yeah
1: I agree like mm-hmm. that's that's Tory vibes. yeah it's like me to a T absolutely yeah yeah yeah
2: and I so it, I think for some of us our orientation and our behavior our attractions They're more consistent for other people. They're more variable. And it's all about sort of that level of openness and where that dial sort of tends to fall. And also what I see in my research on fantasies, the majority of women who say they are exclusively heterosexual say they've had a same-sex fantasy. And more than a quarter of men who say they're exclusively heterosexual have had a same-sex fantasy too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. What do you think about just the fact that I think now, okay, when we were growing up, like 90s, it was like you are straight or you're gay. Right. Bisexual was kind of like, people would still even do the like, ah, uh, that's just like gateway gay. Like yep. they just yeah. haven't decided yet, which I still think is like ridiculous because I think or you're people being, still say Or that. you're being
1: selfish or you're being too greedy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah or it's like, oh, like- they're gay. They just don't want to admit it yet, which yeah. is like ridiculous. But yeah. I think even now, finally we're kind of saying, oh, there's more than just straight or gay or even just bisexual. And yeah. I think... I don't know if it's like the TikTok generation or world or if it's more social media exposure or what it is, but I think finally that's kind of being talked about and open about. And I am here for that because I don't like that it's everything so like black and white white in a box. In In a box. yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I mean, if you look at the number of sexual identity labels, it's it's dramatically expanded, you know, in, in the time of, uh, you know, Alfred Kinsey's pioneering research in the 40s and 50s, you know, uh, there was largely gay and straight, uh, bisexual kind of in the middle. And, you know, that's kind of the way that was for decades but now it's expanded and there's all kinds of different ways of acknowledging and identifying with different patterns of attraction that you have and it's no longer also just based on sex and gender it's also based on you know how much emotional connection you need to feel to another person before you feel attracted to them and so you have these labels like demisexual and um uh, so it, it the menu for how you can identify <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll admit I still even kind of get confused sometimes where I'm like I gotta look this up because people like put it in their bat I'm like I don't even know what that one means and then I like read and I'm like oh all right that makes sense but what I
1: think is great about this is that it is opening up conversations and I think that the more willing people are are to have those conversations and to start educating ourselves that's like I think it's it's a big win
0: well what do you think about even just separating like sex from relationships in the sense of even all those labels and everything because there's people that I feel like are okay I'd be open to these sexual experiences with like the same sex but maybe not necessarily find myself in a relationship Mm -hmm. with them. And I think, Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 Yes.
2: And I get that question frequently. And that's where I think you can think of us as having sexual attractions and romantic attractions. And those are two different things. So, you know, for example, I know a lot of bisexual people who are like, you know, I only want relationships with persons of this sex or gender, but I'm open to casual sex with persons of this sex or gender, you know, so people can be all over the place in terms of what this looks like in their life so me yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely no, I don't know yeah. I,
0: I'm like sitting here and I call like, her nurse daddy uh, well no I don't really talk much on like social media or even on the podcast about like you know what m- what my life is out there in the sh- them streets because I'd be out there yeah <laughs> but I'm like I don't know I've always kind of like obviously I, I don't think I've even really talked about this on here Mm-mm. I've definitely like slept with women mm-hmm. and the older I get the more I'm like Hell yeah! Like yeah. I was telling Tori, I was like, "You gotta just try it. Yeah, yeah. Just try it. <laughs> we, gotta do just, this. we gotta got it. Just do try this. it. Yeah, yeah." I was like, "You'll like it. Just yeah, try it." Yeah, but I'm like, I was always kind of on that tip of her I was like, I don't think I would see myself dating a woman or like being in a relationship with a woman, and he, now I'm kind of like, I think Maybe. I'd be open to dating a woman at this stage in my life, but I'm 36. Right been a windy road yeah and i'm like you know i wouldn't be like opposed as a reference
1: to she was in a relationship for seven years almost married called it off two months before three 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 months three months before had the wedding dress the whole thing blah 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 and so since then it's been like you Just know been living yeah. my best
0: life but now my best life includes yeah yeah I've like yeah. So I don't know. But I've are still you that's seen this more? I'm like figuring out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, the, so there's a book I can recommend for you yeah. written by Dr. Lisa Diamond. It's called Sexual Fluidity. Uh, I believe it was first published in 2008. And it was based on like this 10 year study where she followed 100 women in the United States. She like literally traveled around the country to do these follow up interviews and found that for most of these women that their sexual attractions identities behaviors changed over the course of time and so you know some of them started out the study identifying as heterosexual but then later identified as uh, bisexual or lesbian and then went back to hetero you know so these things are fluid and flexible and for a lot of people and women in particular their attractions are more to a given individual rather than mm-hmm. they are to a gender or sex class
0: that's like how i feel like oh, i don't like yeah. subscribe to any label because i've even had other people be like so you're like bisexual i don't I'm not, don't not know. anything. i'm just like don't put me in a box if yeah. i think you're hot i'll probably fuck you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that I don't know I like I don't want to date anyone right now male or female yeah I don't want to be in a relationship so I'm like you're like I don't know like I don't but I don't like the idea I don't like labels really I'm just some chilling yeah
1: I agree with that actually too I think that's a really interesting point
0: but it is weird because everyone wants to label things like we're such a label driven society That we have to put people in their box and label them and like you are this and it's like okay chill
2: but it's this interesting thing where there's greater acceptance for having a wider range of labels and like Mm -hmm. we live in the time of radical individualism and Mm -hmm. you just kind of identify however it is that you want to identify but by the same token there's still this pressure immense pressure to put all these labels on yourself and it's like I don't know what all of my labels are like I still feel like I'm figuring it out myself and Mm -hmm. I I don't know what labels I want to put out there right um I I think it varies a lot according to the individual in terms of you know how important is this or how central is this aspect to my personal identity and I think for some people it's like really about who they are Mm -hmm. whereas for others it's like you know the labels just don't matter
0: yeah I think it's also like, again, we, I guess we all have the similar upbringing of religious school. Yeah. I went to religious school up until college and even though I still have an ultra kind of religious family. They don't listen to this podcast. So thank God, I'm like, God, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, and I come from, well, yeah. I think the
1: opposite, not opposite because I did come from a lot of structure, but like, for example, in my family, I have my grandma and grandpa came from, they were swingers in the sixties. My mom grew up in a house where that was, like, the norm. My uncle is pan. My my cousin's dabbling in pan relationships. And so it's interesting because I think that's just kind of been a part of my life. You've I always been one of the most cousins. open-minded
0: people I've met. When we started working together yeah. at the same hospital 10 years ago, we're at the break room, when this girl sits down, and she's just like, Sat! <laughs> and I was like damn Gina I'm the first one to get naked and jump in a pool yeah I've seen like, Tori's titties more than I've seen my own yeah sure. like
1: I just I, but I think what's interesting is like I don't know um, I think monogamy to me is like it's it's the framework right it seems like the framework of what our society is based on but You were talking about this. You said surveys studies showed one fifth of North American adults say they've been in some sort of open relationship in their lifetime, which was the equivalent of cat owners, (laughs) (laughs) the amount of cat owners, which I thought was great. And, you know, like, for example, you know, you gave the example of Will Smith and Jada Pickett. They came out and said they have an open relationship. And I think it's just becoming we're talking about it more. And I'm just curious your thought about on that and like the open relationships and monogamy and like,
0: well, I want to even just know your thoughts on monogamy. Like, do you think it's not? I mean, both of you are like, in Relationships. I'm not. And (laughs) I I just monogamy is so the more I like look into it, the more I'm fascinated by the idea of. Monogamy Being with versus one person polyamory for that love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While we're on the subject of sexy time, what are you
1: using? Oh my gosh. You guys know we are obsessed with Woo More Play. This is definitely the selfie approved w- lube for your bedroom. It just makes your sex so much better. You guys, this is the perfect texture. It's not sticky, long lasting. It's smooth and moisturizing. It's free of shitty ingredients like parabens, petroleum, silicone, and glycerin.
0: It's 100% organic for all you bougie bitches out there. (laughs) But listen, what does it taste like? Because that's what we really want to know. Okay.
1: So it's vanilla flavored, but it literally tastes like frosting and you guys i'm telling you it just spices up everything in the bedroom it tastes so freaking delicious i'm obsessed with it
0: also they've got other fun stuff besides just the lube oil like we've both had our eye yes on that the toy yes the, the toy the, the ooh, more vibrator the vibrators we yeah. will report back on that one i feel like we need to do a little <laughs> splurge honestly you need to just help us out mm-hmm. use your woo more so we can uh we want to know report yeah, back report back because absolutely honestly, yes. yes if anyone go get the vibrator let us know yeah what do you guys think
1: yeah yeah absolutely we're here for it so if you guys want to snag your your woo more play head over to woo more and use code selfie for 15 percent off of the coconut love oil again that's woo more use code selfie c-e-l-l-f-i-e for 15 percent off of your coconut love oil
0: Have fun. You're welcome. All right. I know we're getting a little hot and bothered here and make sure you are staying hydrated. Hydrate
1: up after you do a little exercise in the bedroom, you know. You guys were talking about our Hydro Jug. This is one of our most favorite partners. And as you know, our favorite one is the stainless steel. I am obsessed with that. this one. It is so on brand. It's We have the uh, white pearl with that Barbie pink top. It's just fabulous and so on brand for selfie.
0: Okay, they do have three options, though. They have the pro and the glass, but we favor the stainless steel. All of them, though, hold a half gallon of water so you can truly stay hydrated and have to refill less. They have a leak-proof seal, wide mouth opening. What that mouth do, though? Just kidding. (laughs) Is that inappropriate? I don't even know. I'm sorry. But they also have a really good integrated handle. Makes it super easy to carry around the gym, carry around your 12-hour shift, or just, you know, grab off the nightstand. All their products are BPA-free. So, again, for all you bougie... All of you bougie bitches out there, yeah. let's get it. They
1: have 40 different color combinations as well. If you guys are interested, head over to hydrodog.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 10% off of your order today. This is actually a really good gift, too. If you wanted to be really bougie and get one for your work wife mm-hmm. or for your preceptor or someone special in your life, head over to hydrodog.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E for 10% off of your order.
2: Yeah. I mean, lots of thoughts, (laughs) you know, so, so as a social psychologist, who's done a lot of research on sex and relationships, my feeling is that different things work for different people. And we see that people of different attachment styles and personalities, they tend to be happier in different types of relationships. And so I think it's ultimately about knowing yourself and what you want at this stage of your life In terms of determining what is the right relationship for you, but also recognizing that might change, you know, just as you can be fluid with your sexual attractions, you can be fluid with what it is that you want and need from romantic relationships. And maybe monogamy works for you at one stage of life, but then. You, you want to be open and explorative at a different point, but then maybe monogamy works again at another stage, you know? So I think we need to think of these concepts as evolving and, you know, they can change over the course of our lives in terms of how they meet our individual needs. But yes, if you look at what's happening, what's changing, there is increasing interest in what we call consensual non-monogamy. You see this documented in terms of a rise in Google searches for open relationships and polyamory. You see, increased media representation of consensual non-monogamy, right? So it's, it's clearly out there, but what we don't know, and this is the big question I really wish we had the answer to is has the prevalence of it actually increased over time? There's no data tracking this. Are we
0: just talking about it?
2: Yeah. So are we just being more open? Are more people doing it? Um, Or yeah well i guess that's the question so are we just talking about something that's always been there or are more people actually doing it we don't know the answer to that question
1: right like is the social structure changing or was it always there And people just were like not talking about it. Yeah. That's an interesting.
2: And and researchers have made it hard for us to answer this question because in the past, the way that they would ask about infidelity would also encompass everybody who was in a sexually open relationship because they would just survey married people and be like, have you had sex with anybody other than your spouse in the last year? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yes right. you could have done that and been cheating or you could have but done was that, that and open been and ethical polyamorous yeah. right. right oh yeah so, Cheaping,
1: yeah diving into that question is really
2: so those things different. are confounded and that's why we also don't know the true prevalence of infidelity and how that's changed yeah because no
1: one's gonna be honest who's gonna be honest about that up front <laughs> right like well some people will be I don't yeah. know but yeah.
0: what about polyamory versus swinging because I think this is something the general public, Tends to intertwine or confuse or mix up.
2: I mean, there's so many different flavors of consensual non-monogamy. There is, yes. What's
0: your flavor, Craig David? Remember that song? Anyone? <laughs> no.
2: So, uh, so actually, the bulk of the research on consensual non-monogamy used to all be on swingers, like mm-hmm. in the '60s and '70s, and it usually took the form of you know partner swapping, and mm-hmm. couples would just sort of change partners for an evening where they'd go to a swingers club or party. But in the AIDS epidemic of the 1980s, swinging really fell out of fashion and, you know, kind of got considered to be a high risk behavior. And so people kind of stopped studying it and talking about it. It kind of became more stigmatized and underground, but in the nineties, I think we start to see a bit of a rebirth in consensual non-monogamy and people start talking about it in different forms, open relationships where, you know, people have a primary partner, but they can sort of have sex with other people if they want. Then there's, you know, polyamory, which I think has always been around, but it's kind of always been in the shadows where people have multiple loving and sexual relationships at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you've got all the other flavors, like there's cuckolding, you know, people who just want to watch their partner have sex with somebody else, but they don't want to participate. We were
1: talking about we had, we were that before you got talking with about that. her husband. Yeah, he's, it's so funny, his reaction to that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, he's definitely- just really not, He like, he was just very shocked that that's so common is it is it like statistically speaking is that like a, a, something that
0: i think he was reading like some from he the was you, on your instagram and yeah he was like, he's like did you know cuck holding is like There's he was percentage.
1: yeah he was like what yeah yeah yeah.
2: in it's terms of the fantasy super prevalent you know the majority yeah. of men that i've surveyed have fantasized about watching their partner have sex with someone else and that's true across sexual orientations right um it, it's funny I actually published an academic study with sex columnist dan savage a couple of years ago on gay men who are into cuckolding and dan used to be convinced that like there was no such thing as cuckolding in in the gay community but then he started getting all these questions from readers about it and so one thing led to another we conducted a study and yep it's a thing you know and it's very popular it's actually even more popular among gay identified men than it is among straight men so Super, super common. Uh, if you look at women in cuckolding, they're more likely to fantasize about the reverse,
1: yeah. Like like someone watching us, like that's hot to me. Okay, you want me to
0: see? Remember, like last week when we're like, Wow, if Sam actually talked about her life on here, we go. Okay, (laughs) I'll just fuck it. I see, I told you, give me one white claw and I'll just say whatever. (laughs) Spill it, sister. So, I had like this couple. I get a lot of couples in my DMs. I swear to god, I get DM. Explain
1: what you mean by that.
0: I get couples all the time asking me to be their, like, unicorn or their third. I get that mm-hmm. more than I get yeah. hit on by, like, thirsty single males. It's like, I don't know. I have a unicorn magnet <laughs> or something. It's just, it happens. Yeah. But I had a couple, like, hit me up. And, like, the wife wanted to watch her husband sleep with me. Oh. And I was like, that is new. That is different. That's not... Yeah. That's kind of more of an outlier, right? Like, that's not as common. And she was like, didn't even want to be there in person. Just wanted him to go and, like, video it. Hey, and, like, watch it herself and, like, hear all about it. And I was like, every pot has a lid, man. For I sure. Mean, that's always been my saying. Every pot has a lid. There's something There's for always everyone. an outlier. Yeah. Like, if I ever make an OnlyFans, I'll find my target audience. <laughs> every, there's Every pot has a lid. They will find you. But that was... Interesting. That was a yeah, I, f- I don't even think I ever told you that. No, before. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I was like, "Damn, Gina?" Yeah. Oh. Okay. Huh.
2: It's true. And you know, you're right. Yes, that is sort of the less common variant, yeah. but certainly there are many women who do fantasize about that. And you can also have cuckolding in uh female same-sex relationships where mm-hmm. it's just like a woman wants to share her female partner with another woman. Like it can take all the different flavors. Every pot has a lid. Every pole has a hole. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What hole.
1: are the most common kink like things that you're hearing, like seeing in research?
2: You know, it's hard for me to even define what kink means anymore. Right. <laughs> the umbrella like has just sort all. of expanded. Yeah. So well, much. Well, think
0: we have a lot of um, people that we associate with who are still very um, like conservative learning. family. Yeah. But, like, they, open to these ideas and having And so, yeah, like, to them, like, anything I do would be considered, like, off yeah. the walls. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love it for you. Uh,
2: there, there are some people who literally think that having sex in a position other than the missionary is kinky, right? Just because it, it's all relative. Yeah, You know, a term like kink essentially means non-mainstream mm-hmm. sexual activities. But what is considered mainstream? You know, it sort of depends on your perspective and worldview. And your
0: circle. Like, yes. I'm like...
2: Yeah, right. threesomes,
0: that doesn't seem mainstream to right, me. But right, to some right. people, that's like a huge deal. Mm-hmm. That's Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. That yeah. has been my Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so
1: are we talking like whips, chains? Yeah. You know, like what are the most...
2: You know, anymore in the Fifty Shades of Grey era, Fifty Shades of Grey era, that kind of seems pretty mainstream to right, me. Right, right, right. Given, For sure. Given, you know, sort of the popularity of it. So I think that's often an entry point to kink is you know, light bondage and, you know, sort of taking on dominant or submissive roles. Those are super popular fantasies. A lot of people have explored, experimented with them in real life. I think, you know, when you start going down the spectrum and things get more intense, that's where it starts to become kinkier, where relatively far fewer people have ever engaged in those activities and they're considered to be more extreme by most of the population.
1: In terms of you did a, this brings to mind you did a really interesting um research article speaking of kink and fantasy. About political parties, which I think is hilarious. Can you speak to this a little bit? Because I thought this was really interesting.
2: So that's actually an offshoot of my book, Tell Me What You Want. Um, I, As part of the survey of 4,175 Americans I conducted for that book, I surveyed people from all 50 states. Asked them 369 questions about their sexual fantasies, personalities, sexual histories, and also their political affiliation. And so I wrote this article for Politico looking at the differences between Republicans and Democrats' sexual fantasies, <laughs> expanding on something I had talked about in the book. And yeah. what you find is that Republicans are more into a lot of different taboo activities. Yeah. Uh, so voyeurism, um, Uh, non-monogamy in various forms, including things like swinging uh, and, and, you know, going to key parties and whatever, uh, going to a strip club, you know, if you sort of look at all of these things that might be considered taboo, Republicans had more of these fantasies, often about the, you know, multi-partner non-monogamy stuff. Democrats, the one area where they were more likely to fantasize about something compared to Republicans was the power play, the BDSM stuff. I feel like this all checks
0: out as someone who was raised Christian and was registered Republican at 18 and the, yeah He's now a flaming liberal at 36 I'm <laughs> yeah. like this
1: all checks out you're on brand
2: it's so funny when that article came out in Politico it made it into Stephen Colbert's monologue on the late <sighs> oh my god show. that's amazing so great oh and my god I'm out at the bar with my friends and I get this Text from my mom who's like, they're talking about your research on fantasies on Colbert. And so so she was so proud. Oh my God. Such a proud. Oh my God. That's my (laughs) boy. I know. I love this.
1: I like, I don't know. I'm also fascinated by this too in terms of, um, monogamy and relationships and I feel like what like infidelity and cheating and it's always so interesting to me like now being quote a married woman gag you like hate that uh, whatever but what I think is really interesting is when someone's willing to go out on their relationship and cheat but not have and like burn the whole house down yeah. but not have the conversation of like I'm not happy sexually like something has to happen mm-hmm. here like is there any research on that and like sort of like cheating and sex and like
0: well is cheating necessarily even just about sex or is it right something oh, other needs because I feel like if things are really just about sex I don't know I'm think we've combined sex and love so tightly intertwined in this society and i don't maybe because i have a lot of sex and i'm not in love <laughs> but like <laughs> you're like it's not I, one in the same it's not one in the same and yeah. it's really not and i think that's what the problem comes down to in relationships yep. sometimes but then i just wonder the reason behind the why of cheating and i i don't feel like it necessarily has to do always with sex i don't know I want to hear from a pro
2: though (laughs) yeah i mean this brings up so many different thoughts first like what the fuck even is cheating right because Mm. the definition of it
0: like emotional cheating emotional
2: cheating Mm -hmm. sexual cheating like you can also think of financial infidelity like if you do something with the money in your relationship that your partner doesn't approve of like some people would call that cheating right so like is
1: liking her you know instagram story or her picture like is that cheating like what yeah exactly yeah the amount amount of married men
0: that send me flame emojis on instagram right oh yeah sending
2: an eggplant emoji errantly is that cheating right no like so this is a hard thing to study from the standpoint that different people define it different ways it means something unique in each relationship in terms of like why people cheat totally different motivations um for some people it is just about the sex so for example, if you look at people in sexless marriages, I made a post about this the other day, one in seven married Americans is in a sexless marriage, right?
1: That's oh crazy. God. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> Yuck. how do people cope with a sexless marriage? Some of them cheat because their partner just has no interest in sex and they don't feel like they can leave the relationship for various reasons. Maybe they're financially tied. Maybe they want to stay for the kids. Maybe their partner is their best friend and everything is great. There's just no sex. So, you know, sometimes that's a reason people cheat. For other people, the emotional aspect of it is is what they're drawn to. For some people, it's a search for the self. Like the midlife crisis thing is real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Where people just sort of, I I hear this all the time, people say that they lost themselves in their relationship. Mm -hmm. It goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, being single, the independence, the autonomy, it's underrated. Like this is something people tend to miss a lot in their long-term relationships is, I don't know who I am outside of this relationship anymore. And so a lot of times people will go out and cheat because they just need to feel something, experience something for themselves that they haven't been able to do for a really long time.
1: Yeah, the whole idea of getting married early. Like I just think about... You know getting married in your early 20s like for me that wouldn't have worked like i was a person that like i need test drive a bunch of cars <laughs> we needed to you know get in do a lease here and there you know yeah
0: my car, maybe get in a car accident <laughs> i got commitment issues yeah but sure. you know what's
1: interesting is like okay I, you know we've been married now for
2: four 2017? years oh you know <laughs>
1: 17 um and I would say like, we didn't really start, we, we didn't really start having these conversations until recently, but I think what's interesting is we've had the conversation of like, if we were to explore something, what are the boundaries, right?
0: But see, I love that you're doing that because I think yeah. that the bigger problem with cheating is the fact that people don't communicate right? and they're afraid to share maybe what, it, where they're unfulfilled, why they're unhappy on an emotional level, or they're even just afraid to say sexually these might be some things I'm into and that's really hard for people to admit. Yeah.
2: It it goes back to your original question of like, why for some people is it easier to cheat than to have the conversation about being Mm -hmm. in an open relationship? And I think part of it is just some people never learn how to communicate about sex with their partner. So thanks
0: private school. Yeah. So they've
2: just not been having these conversations Uh all along. So it's like, how do I bring this up now that I'm like 10, 15 years into this relationship or whatever it's just easier for me to go on this work conference and you know yeah just cheat with somebody right. Whatever. I was at a work right. conference
0: in February. People be cheating. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I think there's I also that like hit on me like legitimately being like want to come back to my hotel room and I'm like <laughs> no I don't like shit where I eat I have like a no work
1: That's, policy yeah, yeah but I, I was, love like, that.
0: Damn, but I just, people will be cheating on these Also, I
1: think it's like, well, it's the same thing as like guys cheating on, or maybe girls too, on bachelor or bachelorette parties. Like, it's like the thrill of like, you're just doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I'm sure that there's like a little element of that, because I could see oh, that absolutely. being, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> people need a little spice in their but life. I think it is the
0: communication thing, because I think, you know, I've sat there and had lunch with you and Jacob, where we've talked about like pretty openly sexual stuff that like is not a normal like brunch conversation yeah, yeah. for most people right and I was like I think it's really cool that you guys as a married couple I have those conversations because I don't think most people do and I even know like I was in a relationship for seven years engaged and I remember he used to ask me all the time if I was like ever like had any interest in like girls and I'd always like totally deny it I'm like, bitch. Right. You've thought that since like yeah. for fucking ever. Like yeah. you're so full of shit. But I was like, way too embarrassed to ever admit that to him. And then the second I got out of that relationship, I was like, fuck it, I go low and started sleeping <laughs> yeah. with women. I love it. But yeah. I'm like that. And we were together seven years. We lived together. We had a house. And I like was too embarrassed to like actually have an open conversation about what I was interested in or might have liked. Could that have maybe made our relationship different, saved it? Could it have gone a different way? Probably, to be perfectly honest, because we weren't having sex at all, like ever. And, yeah. but I, that was me, I can tell you right now, like I was too uncomfortable to communicate those things. Yeah.
2: And everything you said, valid, <laughs> and it lines up with a lot of other people's experiences I've heard from. But I also find it fascinating as a researcher to see that there are lots of people who are in totally satisfying relationships. They're having a lot of sex and great sex. They love their partner, but then they still go out and cheat. Oh. And that's where it gets really yeah. interesting. It's like, why do you cheat if you're already in a happy relationship? Because uh-huh. like ostensibly you have it all. So right. why are you still going out and doing this thing that risks the entire relationship uh-huh. and that great thing you built?
1: I feel like, is that like personality disorders? Like maybe
0: like narcissistic, like, I don't know. yeah, that's what I'm wondering too. Or like, that's where my head kind of goes. Yeah. Like, is it that just need for, more like nothing's ever going to be enough
2: so maybe for some people but i've talked to some sex therapists about this who have shared like clinical cases with me and one of them that sticks out to me is this guy who was married to a woman they had this great relationship great sex life he loves his wife dearly but he's going out and sleeping with other women all the time and so in sort of probing like why is he cheating essentially the conclusion that they came to was that he has this history of working in the armed forces and confronting the real risk of death every day of life. And sex is the only time when he feels alive. And so his going out and cheating is more about coping with his existential crisis and his paralyzing fear of death more than it says anything about the quality of the relationship or his character as a person. Now, you know, you can, have your own thoughts on that case or whatever. But right. I just mention it as an example of like, well, maybe it's more about you kind of coping with some need that you have. And it's not about like something trauma. The, yeah. But or, isn't that where yeah. like an
0: ethical non-monogamous relationship would be more ideal to then yes. be like, I can have the perfect relate. Like I do have one friend. She's been married for 11 years She's, they're polyamorous, they date separately, completely, and she was just posting, like, last week, like, had her anniversary, and was like, here's to 11 years, and everyone that said polyamory wouldn't work, or, like, non-monogamy wouldn't work, and we're, like, 11 years strong and happy as can be, and I'm like, yeah, and that doesn't work for everyone, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, if you know that you're someone that cannot be faithful because to right. you sex is something that you need even though you have a great sex life with your partner you have a happy relationship you're fulfilled everything's great about it but to you sex is something that you still need from multiple partners or more frequently
1: then one of my it be mom's, better to just be
0: open about it my mom no i will
1: like- okay because my one of my mom's best friends he's been a long time family friend And he is one of these guys that he's very successful, um, you know, built his business from the ground up, had a marriage, blew it up. And then since then, he's had serial relationships with these women. But then he wants a side piece like he likes this. I think there's like a thing in him where he
0: like the thrill, the
1: thrill of like going out to a bar and meeting someone there and like having her at home is like way more thrilling for him. And it's it's like he will never stop doing it. He will never marry these women and he's in these monogamous relationships. But then he always has a side, always, it's like a thing. And I think it's really, I've always thought of him as like, it's, he's interesting to me because I'm like, I don't know if it's like narcissistic or I don't know if it's like a, but that is definitely something where I think people really enjoy the thrill.
2: You know, and going back to the military example that I mentioned, I was thinking about this as you were speaking, you know, another way to analyze that case might be that, you know, living that military life, like where there's that risk of death every day and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, there is some certain level of sensation seeking that's there, like where everyday life is going to seem boring compared to that. And so when you're going out and cheating and doing something that is risky and dangerous, maybe that's sort of tapping into that sort of need. And so maybe everything is just going to seem boring after sort of living that life. And it makes me wonder would mm. that person actually even be happier in a consensually non-monogamous relationship because maybe they're not going to have those thrills that they need. And so yeah. they would still even be breaking their relationship agreements in, mm-hmm. you know, consensual non-monogamy. Cause
0: that's not what's actually making them tick. Yeah. Is if it was ethical, it's not maybe. fulfilling the need. Maybe they yeah. need
2: the taboo more than they just need variety. It's just and hard sex cause partners. I like hate when it's
0: at someone else's expense though. Yeah. Tricky. And I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's like, I, I don't have all the answers. Have you done there, any research? psychology is weird like that, though. Well, yeah, I
1: think that's really interesting. I, sort of along the lines of the military, is there research on um like people in professions who you know are more likely to cheat or have certain kinds of relationships and like my mind goes to like freaking healthcare providers nurses like get a
0: bad rap we get a bad yeah
1: <laughs> i mean like the ed all of you in the ed you guys all know you're down like these people are having fun actually the first they couple are-
0: i had a threesome with was two er nurses okay i'm like it's like a thing like and it's
1: interesting though because i think in medical like a lot of us work in very high stress areas where it's like You know, I mean, like just last night I had a situation where, you know, you you you're getting adrenaline constantly because you're and you're in a high stress environment. Is there a link to when you watch
0: people die and that's a regular day at work and then you go on your break and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like it's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Like that changes you like
1: police officers, firefighters, nurses. Like, is there like a do we have a category
2: Yeah. So it's a great question. And, you know, I have the data for this that I have not explored yet. (laughs) You know, so we're making it interesting for you. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, in that survey of sexual fantasies, I did, I have everyone from fast food cashiers to healthcare providers, you know, they run the entire spectrum of occupations. But that's actually something I never really dug into in the data is whether fantasies are different for people in different professions. So what I can say is, Anecdotally, it makes sense based on people I know. I happen to know a lot of people in medicine, a lot of people who aren't in medicine, And their sex lives are very different. (laughs) Now, what I don't know is whether that's an effect of the occupation or there's a selection effect into the occupation that is confounded. Mm -hmm. Right. right? And I think that there is something to that. So, for example, I know a lot of people who work in, like, really high-stress emergency room environments who kind of have an ADD component to begin with. Who
1: thrive in that kind of environment or need that stimulation.
2: And so that works for them, but then their sex life, is very varied and sometimes yeah. tumultuous. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it's like really a function of the job, but maybe a function more of just sort of the yeah. nature of that individual.
0: Interesting. That is super interesting. I know. Well, cause we, yeah, we do get a, a, a reputation. I feel
1: like, okay. I'm such a, I, I don't know personally. And I, maybe you have a little bit of insight on this too. Cause I feel like for an, I'm in the most boring relationship. It's like we have the best marriage. I fucking love my husband. We have a great sex life. But the irony about this is like I think even us talking about it, like being open to the idea of like, okay, like if we were at a bar and like we wanted to like do something like, you know, we have these conversations even that just sort of like kind of puts away like it it almost feels like I don't even
0: need to do that is because there... you like are turned on by the yeah thought of it or the fantasy of or, it gets or... you going and then you're like fuck and you're like okay that was cool yeah and I also
1: feel like for me personally I'm just not a jealous person like it's funny because Jacob has been hit on in front of me before but I kind of find it hot <laughs> is that weird
2: no, it's know. not weird. Okay.
0: like, I think it's hot. I'm like, oh yeah. It's like, kind of like validating like yeah, someone that's desirable, right? Yeah,
2: for sure. Well, so you're experiencing what we call compersion, right? Where you take happiness in your partner's happiness. Now, there, there are really sort of two sides to this. One is you're actually just genuinely happy for your partner and seeing your partner be happy makes you happy. But the other thing is that when your partner gets hit on by somebody else, you can also interpret that as validation and it can boost your self esteem because it's like, Hey, I got Selfish. this really hot person. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. So I, I don't know yeah. which of those motives it is, right, but it, right. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think
0: there is this stereotype or like maybe stigma that women are supposed to be like, that's my man. Like, you know, the fucking right. brandies and song, the boy is mine. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be like be, crazy if someone hits on your man it's it's interesting too because
1: like you know a lot of I think in terms of my head goes like bachelor bachelor at parties right usually when Jay comes home he'll tell me like all the stories and I know that's super like it's like you know guys rule whatever no but he's very open with me like we just talk about it like like what happened and like to do you know and I've heard some really fun great stories but I think that openness like in terms of a partnership has really helped us such like it's almost like hot when I get to hear these stories like okay
0: yeah like it's kind of hot I don't know do you think you guys are ever gonna like branch out or like do anything
1: (sighs) you know like I've I've thought about that I'm like I wouldn't be opposed to it I think it would be like I think it would just be right time right place right moment right person yeah 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 I'm not opposed to it you know me
0: I mean, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, but I'm biased. <laughs> I love this for us.
2: Well, when it happens, I'll come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll break we'll it down. it with a professional. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: We need to break it down. Um, what are the biggest mistakes that you see in really in like relationships? Like, what are in terms of research? Are there like like top three mistakes or things that you know or like?
2: I mean, there's so many. <laughs> 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 there are lots of things that we do wrong. I mean, so. You know, one of them is just sort of never having that conversation about sex and what it is that you want. And the longer you wait to have that conversation, the harder it becomes because then you add all of this extra expectation and pressure and so forth and then oftentimes it just never ends up happening and some people just end their relationship for 7 years yeah <laughs> cuz it's easier to get out of it than right. it is to open up that whole can of worms about sex right. so that's one of them another one Can I interrupt though and like yeah.
0: when is a good time to even have that cuz okay you can't be like first date and be like all right listen I like getting pegged and I like threesomes and this is the kind of porn I want like all right, chill. Like, yeah, clear
2: well, clearly you're not on grinder, so I, no, but I no, I, I love
0: grinder. So I mean I have friends that have grinder and I'm like, let me have your phone. And I'm like, they yeah, are yeah. five feet away. Like which like and then I'm like, where are they? Like I love that is so specific about like location. Mm. Grinder's a treasure.
2: Well, but, uh, I, but just, I mean, there are
0: other apps like,
2: yeah, but I just mentioned it as an app where there is that sort of it's openness off the bat. and it w- will often happen before the first date or yeah, yeah. even if there is a date, like mm-hmm. it, it's just, it goes back to that earlier discussion we had about LGBTQ mm-hmm. culture versus cisgender, heterosexual. Yeah. It's just more open. Like, I don't so it, think
0: I could put that on my hinge profile. Right. Like I like an occasional threesome. Yeah. I probably I should leave that off my hinge profile.
2: Well, we you need, know what I mean? We <laughs> need could. more sex positive dating. Apps. It's true. Yeah, I would agree with that. And also less sex shaming, you know, that's because.
0: The, that's the thing. Is the, yeah. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like women get more sex shaming than men.
2: On average. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the research on the sexual double standard, it's mixed. You know, there's some data that says it's decreasing, others that says that it's increasing, others Mm -hmm. that says it's stayed the same. Anecdotally, you know, you do see a lot of sex shaming that primarily affects women. So, you know, my lived experience would seem to, to bear that out. And for a lot of women I know, like, they're on the same page with it.
0: Well, even, like, if someone asks me, like, how many people you've been with, that's an instant, like, this will go no further. Right. Because I, I don't even count anymore. I think it's stupid. Like, back in the day when I was like, younger, I'm like, oh, my God. What's need, your number? I keep count. Now I'm like, I have no fucking idea, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. That's it's... the dumbest thing ever. And if someone were to ask me that, I'd be like, this is, that's the end of that.
2: So here's why I think the what's your number question is problematic. You know, the, the, there's two big reasons for it. One is... So why are you asking about this? Is it as a gauge of STI risk? And if that's the case, I can tell you it's not a reliable metric. So I actually published a study a few years ago in the Journal of Sexual Medicine where I compared a sample of people in sexually open relationships and people in monogamous relationships based on their STI history. And what I found, no difference, Right, (laughs) which is surprising to a lot of people because Mm -hmm. people in open relationships had substantially more partners, but no more STDs. And it's like, so why is that? Well, it's because you have a lot of people in monogamous relationships who cheat. When mm-hmm. people cheat, they're actually less likely to take precaution. Precaution. They are not prepared because mm-hmm. it's at the work conference. They don't have their condoms. Right. Uh, they don't communicate with their partner. And then they go home to their spouse or mm-hmm. whatever, right. and they don't tell them about it. So they just continue having sex. And so infidelity is actually one of the highest risk sexual behaviors and it's much higher risk than consensual non-monogamy so
0: i'm a hoe, but i
1: love yeah
0: (laughs) i think regularly
1: yeah for sure i mean consensual non-monogamy is makes sense to me like just genuinely like okay this is the other thing too we're living so much longer like people used to die at freaking 30 2030 right and like you had one partner great cool but now you're living to you know 70 80 90 it's like I don't know. To me, I'm like, I don't think that fits everybody being with one person your whole entire life. Like, I don't know. It's just,
0: is that a factor?
2: I, I mean, I think lifespans certainly are a factor. You know, average lifespan has increased, but I, I want to go back to one yeah, other we thing about. Yeah, got off the, track
0: of the sex shaming. The
2: what's your number oh, yeah. question. So, Another reason I think a lot of people ask this is because they would feel insecure if they knew you had sex with more people than them. Oh, and so yeah. them asking that question actually says a lot more about themselves yeah. than it That's does I about think. you. I'm like,
0: it doesn't matter. Okay. Oh, so here's the thing. This is your vagina. If it gets pounded <laughs> by the same dick every single night yeah. for two years straight, you might even be having more sex if you're in like a happy relationship because it's available. Right. Like I'm single. I... I'm tired. I like don't live with someone. Like it's a lot of work to go out and like get dick down. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So like, but it's like you live here. Jake's here. It's like you can slip in a quickie. Yeah, for sure. Whatever. All these things. Like it's more available. Right. So it's like the same vagina walls getting (laughs) pounded. every single day yeah your vagina isn't like i know this dick right so when people so the amount of, of like dicks is, shaming, is
1: yeah yeah i know what you're saying yeah the sex shaming of the, like the oh amount. Like a
0: hot dog in a hallway it's like yeah that is like, so stupid yeah like, like I, technically
1: i should be the hot dog if you were in, in a the hallway <laughs> rela-
0: and jacob's got a piece on him <laughs> jacob has <laughs> we, yeah ha- you know, hebrew hammer yeah we've put it out there but yeah. he's packing so it's like yeah. listen if you've yeah, been a, sure. married in a relationship with him for six years now, whatever. So it's like, and I've been single for a while and I'm getting it from wherever. Like yeah. the vagina is not like, oh, it's gonna, I'm gonna be loose all of a sudden because it's been different dicks. Right. Versus you getting pounded by the same big ass dick. <laughs> like doesn't make sense. So I'm yeah. like, I hate when people are like, oh, loose. It's like, that is the dumbest. So You're dumb. You know, You're like incredibly dumb. <laughs>
2: I actually just recorded a podcast the other day with an ob guy and we were talking about vaginal myths. And you know, one of them is this idea that the vagina becomes looser if you have more frequent sex. And I talked about how I get all these emails from men who are like, my (laughs) (laughs) vagina. I'm sorry. Sorry.
0: (laughs) <laughs> some men like you. totally have a vagina though
2: they do I, they're I, so
0: sensitive I'm I, like literally like oh my gosh the uh, doctor at work last night you know the one the one that called us a couple uh, weeks ago was being a little pissy bitch and I was like oh my god his vagina is like all up in uh, a bunch oh today oh okay sorry so
2: <laughs> I am talking about cisgender men here who are writing me who are saying so I think my wife or girlfriend is cheating on me because her vagina feels looser and it's like are you serious? God. Like,
0: also, if you have a problem with a vagina being loose, it's like if it is aroused, it's supposed to be loose. So, yep. Tell me that you're good in bed without actually telling me. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I think also. Okay, what actual I think. Is, so, science and biology. Are you
0: seeing more? Because obviously,
1: I think the most, and this is maybe me just assuming, the most issues with sex normativity comes from cis male like stigma like that framework of how sex should be is that starting to change like are you seeing like that transform like are you starting to see more cis male openness talkiness like uh, where are we at with that
2: yeah I mean I think the bigger issue is cultural right so if I look at research that I've conducted that others have conducted like cisgender men like these men who are part of the majority like they don't believe the system works for them any more than it works for anyone else because they have all of these desires and things that they want to do but they don't feel like they can now they do have more privilege and ability to act with impunity to sort of break the rules and yes privilege is a thing that does exist but i don't think the system really works for anybody and and that's where we really need to expand our definition of what's normal when it comes to sex to allow everybody to get more of what they want
0: Do you think that's like U.S. culture, though, because I've traveled abroad in Europe and I went to Amsterdam and watched like, yes, there's red light district and prostitution is legal. And I'm like, cool, whatever. But I actually like went to a live sex show and it had like a revolving stage that was circular and it had like different acts. So at first we're just watching like straight guy on girl. We're like, cool. That's a nice appetizer and then they bring out like <laughs> these two girls and they're like going at it with some like double-edged like dildo situation and we're like all right it's spicing up and it's like they're just yeah. at work though. Yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. it's like we're all just in the crowd watch and there was menus you could eat food and I was like good show. I like <laughs> it.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> 10 <out of> 10. <laughs> so actually, I teach study abroad courses in uh-huh. Amsterdam regularly on sex and culture. I've actually I saw that sex show once. I would never go back because it was so fucking boring. It
0: was. Did they not look like they were just clocking into work? Like absolutely. Like this is my shift at Taco Bell or Subway. They're like, all right like I. It was.
2: They were going through the motions Cause it's work. And so, as a social psychologist, like, okay,
0: like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What was interesting to me was analyzing audience perceptions of the event and it's like okay so here's this straight couple sitting over here and like you can tell the husband's really into it but the wife is like when can we leave mm-hmm. and then you've got you've got
0: two 24-year-old girls that are traveling abroad from like the US
2: and, and then you've got a couple of british guys at a stag party um
0: you have the chinese businessman section yeah
2: like you, <laughs> that was you, there you've got all of this diversity represented and everybody's having a different experience some people are totally into it and like really aroused um other people like they don't really want to be there but their partner does or their friend does and it's just like it's a fascinating social dynamic but i was just like i'm 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 over this i was just like (laughs) when in rome
0: like i'm here so i'm gonna do the things that are available here
2: so what's actually way more interesting there is the peep show next door oh Right. So this is a place where you literally you're sticking euros into a thing that's going to lift a window so you can see a live performer. But that performer actually looks into it because they have to keep you sticking money in the coin So they got to like hustle. Yeah. So if you're just phoning it in, you're going to put your euro in and leave. Right. So they have to try and connect with the audience. And I'm like, oh, so this is fascinating. It's kind of like
0: a cam show, but like a live yeah. version
2: oh, okay. yes but for the live sexual on stage here's the difference like you pay your like 40 50 euro per person to get in like acting but you've already paid your money Yeah. if right. you leave you leave they've still made their money they're not yeah, gonna this get song. Girl was, like, in style, and
0: she looked like she could have just like read a book yeah mm. it, but it's it, like interesting to just like, she might be have been there. she was probably listening to a podcast yeah she literally <laughs> she has her hair down but she has like an ear pod in and she's like okay I don't know. It is just interesting how I I feel like we're a very uptight culture.
2: Yeah, I would agree. We are in some ways, but everybody's got their different hangups. You yeah. know, I've done a fair amount of traveling as well. And it sex is fascinating and different all around the world. And, you know, I, I've also been interested in some of my Asian travels, like going to Tokyo, like. It, it it's a culture where you have all of these what we call love hotels all around the city it's a love hotel a room you can rent by the hour oh. and every room has a different theme like oh. you can have your love wild that. wild west theme there's actually a hello kitty themed room like it's whatever it's like the madonna inn is. like
1: there's a lot of different like that room each room has a different
2: theme but so they have these love hotels because people in japan many of them have live in multi-generational homes and oh. they're small homes and they yeah. don't have privacy and uh-huh. so it's like this is a place you can go to express intimacy But also Japan is in a fertility crisis where the birth rate has been declining for quite some time. And, you know, it's one example of several countries around the world where governments have finally started to realize, like, people aren't fucking and they're not making babies and this is not sustainable long term. And Mm. so we actually have to do things that are going to promote sex and connection. You know, we're having the same issue, but at a different rate in the US, you know, sex is declining, birth rate is declining, pandemic has accelerated this. And it's like, at some point, this will become a crisis because you're going to have a very top heavy population with Mm -hmm. way too many seniors who have social needs and not enough young people paying into the system. So is
0: sex rate really declining here? Because I feel like I could see why birth rate is because as a millennial
1: a lot of our friends are waiting or well
0: just financially people are waiting yeah financially yeah that's a big point how much my parents paid for their house and how much it's worth i mean we're waiting
1: we haven't had kids like you would have thought when we got together you would have thought like oh tori and jake are having kids right away we definitely did not and i feel like a lot of people are kind of in that boat too
2: and i mean these two things are confounded so as the birth rate is going down the rate of sex is going down too. And you actually have a rising rate in particular of young men, 18 to 24 year old men who aren't having any sex at all. Do
0: you think porn has to do with that? Or what do you think is kind of behind that?
2: So I get asked that all the time and it's like, oh, it's porn, 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 porn. And it's like, you know, maybe that is playing some role, but there are so many things that have changed in the world. Mm -hmm. So this is a complex answer. You know, one angle through which to look at this is that, we have advanced gender equality in many ways. And women now actually outnumber men in terms of college degrees, and women are earning more money. And oh. so, <laughs> you know, this makes the, it shifts the dynamics right. in the mating marketplace. And mm-hmm. so you have a lot more men who are considered to be undesirable. And Interesting. so, you know, that is part of, What's going on here? There's also rising rates of antidepressant use, uh, which causes sexual dysfunction and low sexual desire. Uh, just also general rising rates of depression and anxiety, uh, increased right. substance use, lots of economic changes where you have a lot of young people living at home for a much longer period of time in their parents' basement. Yeah, I can
1: validate that. I mean, even Jacob's brother right. still living at home. And I'm like, it just it, it's interesting because I do think... This is my observation of like the some of the younger Gen Z coming up is they are it's like not failure to launch, but I think the pandemic, I think, has done a big toll on Mm -hmm. that generation. I feel so bad because I'm like even just thinking back to my college experience, like I loved college and I feel so bad for that generation that's going through all this. I'm sure that has a huge impact on sex and like people's experiences and not being able to have those relationships and to have that sexual content and to have physical touch. And I'm sure, is there, I'm sure is there research going on about that right now? Like more in terms of the effects of pandemic?
2: Yeah. I mean, there, there certainly is. And, you know, as we shift more to a virtual world, you know, that just creates a different set of, winners and losers and you know something that a lot of people don't talk about or don't want to talk about is that online dating is actually really hard for heterosexual men in part because they just don't get a lot of matches so there have been studies where they've created fake tinder profiles for men and for women and then those fake profiles have gone and they've swiped literally (laughs) swipe right on everybody in a you know 50 mile radius or whatever and the female profiles will match about 10 percent of the people that they swipe right on so you know about one in ten for hit rate for the straight male profiles it's less than one in a hundred I can validate
0: that I feel like when I had hinge I like don't actually like even go looking for anyone I just wait for everyone to like me and then filter (sighs) through who liked me and I was like within a few like a week of having it I had like 2,000 like people comment or send me a like or send me a whatever, and then I just got to take my time and then filter through the people that had already matched with me. I didn't even have to go looking; I just went through who matched with me, and I was like, "Damn, that sucks to be a guy." Hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is also part of what like is... I could at
0: least admit that and be like, "Okay, you guys do have it harder in that sense for sure."
2: It, you know, and I'm not trying to say like, "Oh, male privilege isn't a thing" or what you know. Like, yes, like we we, we can totally recognize, yeah, the privileges benefits advantages that men have had historically currently still have but this is one area where they do encounter some difficulty and it is fueling in part this rise of incels, right? Like these involuntarily celibate men. And to me, that is very concerning because there's a lot of danger associated with that particular social category. And I do not have the answer in terms of how we deal right. with that. Right. Um, but it, it is something that we as researchers, as a society, need to pay attention to because, you know, when you have these growing populations of men who aren't having any sex at all, There are risks of uh, political, economic, other Mm -hmm. forms of instability. And so this whole world is all interconnected and it all comes back to sex.
1: You know, what's so interesting is actually that was one of the very first questions that I meant to ask you is like, why is this? Why do you think the research of sex is so important? And that sums it up so well.
2: I mean, there's so many reasons sex Uh, is important. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: to understand it and to really get into like digging into
2: it. And it's a, it's a Has shame. Has it
0: been on, like, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? As a nursing professor, I should know. I what think it is, are. right? I don't know. I gotta Google it. But it's like, <laughs> but I think it should be. Like, I feel like it's been overlooked. Was Freud, so.
1: did Freud make sense or did Freud not, what's your take on Freud?
2: Um Freud is a mixed bag. Okay. Like, appreciate him in getting
0: the ball rolling the, the okay. ball
2: rolling getting the fields of psychology and psychiatry to talk about sex but yeah he had some ideas that were batshit crazy that <laughs> didn't pan out so we shouldn't put too much stock in penis envy and you know yeah, a lot yeah. of these other things like yeah. you know freud used to say that you know, women who had orgasms from clitoral stimulation, like that, that was the immature form of orgasm compared to the oh, the, the, the mature I was gonna say, the minute. mature <laughs> vaginal orgasm. It's like, right. Oh, wait, I want
1: to go back to this really quick because I do think it's I think actually really useful. So, in terms of relationships the biggest mistakes the top three mistakes or maybe just to to help us avoid them or things that we mm-hmm. can work on in, in relationships
2: so another big one that comes to mind is this idea that sexual compatibility is like this one-time thing that you establish mm-hmm. like you said it and you forget it so if you have really great sex say on sometime on your first few dates like thinking that that means you're going to have lifelong sex mm-hmm. nope yeah that, that's a myth because people change as sexual beings over the course of Absolutely. their lives. And so you can lose that compatibility over time. So I think instead of thinking about establishing sexual compatibility, think about maintaining.
0: I love that. Sexual yeah. compatibility. Changing it up, spice it think up. About it. I went from having a friends with benefits situation that was like a year long to being in a seven year serious relationship. And by the end of the seven years, not having sex at all. And I'm like, how did I get into a relationship with someone who our entire family, existence was founded on just only having sex and not dating well so I then think it's going seven years later and now we don't even have sex it's like what, what yeah. the fuck happened here where did so, we go wrong? for sure
1: and I remember that kind of process for you but it kind of goes back to your unpopular opinion of you know relationships take, take work mm-hmm. and I think that's like so interesting because I think we don't and by work I think it's like always be curious and like it's hard because we're in this very selfish culture i a very selfish kind of time where it's like you know we're very into our own tiktok or image or instagram like it's all about me 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 like what am i doing and you like forget that you know when you're in a relationship it's also it's about the other person and you have to be curious and you have to put in the time and the work to do mm-hmm. that and i will say like sam like we talk about this all the time like it you know for jacob and i personally like we literally book it into the schedule to do like date night and to do something different and fun. And like, and I think that's like part of it, right? It's like keep your sex life fun and open and like, be curious. Like, do you like this? Do you not? Do you want to try something else? Like, I think that's where the work, you know, and it takes work Mm -hmm. and time.
2: It does. And I think just so many of the ideas we have about relationships in general aren't, healthy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and lead to a lot of problems and Mm -hmm. so you know something else that i think is important to keep in mind for healthy relationships is to have time for yourself and to prioritize to some degree the relationship you have with yourself give yourself alone time ability to pursue your interests in life and if there are things that you're into but your partner isn't into it's okay for you to still have those hobbies and interests.
1: hundred percent. I actually think it makes it better. I think it makes for a better relationship. I love going with Sam on a girl weekend to go to Palm Springs. I love when Jacob goes to go snowboarding with his boys or goes hiking. I'm like, good, get out of the fucking house. I can have it by (laughs) myself. I can have my glass of wine and my champagne and do my Netflix and chill. Like I think, yeah I agree that I agree with that like embracing like your own things and it makes you more of an interesting person
2: yeah you've got something exciting to share with your partner the next time you see each other for
1: sure like I love missing Jake I'm like yes goodbye have fun and then you're actually excited to see them when
0: they come back
2: yeah for sure but they have to leave in order for you to miss them Yes. so yes so this gets at the bigger idea of like you can become too close like where you're spending all of your time with this other person and that goes back to what we talked about with cheating with people feeling like they lost their individuality lost themselves in the relationship find yeah. a way to keep yourself
1: cultivate your own your own self too yeah. i think that's really really great oh my gosh
0: what is like one mm-hmm. thing you could recommend someone to like maybe i don't know expand themselves sexually like i don't you know what i mean like yeah, someone's like, like, like listening to this and they're like mm-hmm. damn some of this resonates but i'm always where to start yeah where to start i guess yeah that's a good
1: one
2: you know it could start as simply is masturbating in a different way right so mm-hmm. a lot of us fall into masturbation routines and like the way you're masturbating today mirrors the way that you did it the very first time you ever masturbated oh, and it's fascinating to me when you look at the research how many people report that they've discovered new things about themselves or new sources of pleasure through solo sexual activities. And it's because they mixed it up and they tried something new and different. So get a toy, watch a different kind of porn, don't use porn and use fantasy instead. Like there are all kinds of ways that you can add novelty to that and explore and expand your sexual self. And I think this is so important, not just for, you know, having more fun masturbating, but it will make you a better lover and will make your sex better because the more you understand your body, what brings you pleasure, the better you're able to tell your partner what it is that you right. actually want. Mm-hmm. And so this gets to another myth about relationships that is problematic. You know, so many people expect their partners to be a mind reader and to just know like mm-hmm. what's going to work for you and how you want your clitoris stimulated and how they want their penis or nipples or whatever right. stimulated. It's like your partner doesn't have a fucking clue what right. works yeah, for and, your well, body. Because everyone's so yeah. different too.
0: So it's like, if they think like, Oh, this really worked on someone. And then they might assume that's like, okay, all women are going to respond that way. And it's like, nah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I know somebody who is literally just into their earlobes being yeah played with and it's like so if you were with that person and you brought them extremely intense pleasure from that but then you just assume that that was going to transfer to everybody else yeah you might be wrong
1: right right and someone might hate that and slap you i
0: I used to always just sit there and even if i was unsatisfied just lay there and be like fuck this sucks but i wouldn't speak up right and And now just like, like listen i know the exact playbook like i am going to tell you yeah very matter of fact
1: like this <laughs> this a, works a b this doesn't. c
0: d e f throw in g if we really want to spice it up like <laughs> i will give you the layout because i'm not gonna waste my time
1: yeah Dude. like
0: and i think w- guys are pre- i think are i think
1: partners partners appreciate that like a little a more guy going. that
0: does appreciate that you know it's going to be good because they actually give a shit and
2: wouldn't you want to know <laughs> yes. like, like if you paper. were doing something to your partner that you thought they really liked and they were just dreading it and not enjoy like Yeah. And yeah. And so no, no one is enjoying themselves in this situation. Wouldn't you want to know?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Faking orgasms. Yeah. Is that a thing? Like
0: how often like
2: happens a lot. So a majority of women say they've faked an orgasm. Um, and about a quarter of men say they've faked an okay. orgasm too. I think
0: it's definitely interesting like
1: I just am too selfish I, I would never fake it I'd be like no nah, you didn't I have you didn't do I it. have
0: in the past but now I won't I'll be like listen <laughs> we need to do something because this <laughs> is not gonna get me there so yeah. let's flip the script here buddy but yeah. I mean I think it's interesting that like me- I, I think you hear faking it as a women thing so to hear that like you said 25% poor, of men surpri- yeah and that does surprise actually me actually surprising yeah
2: doesn't surprise me. I mean, well, I know because
0: you ha- Yeah, you are. You are like <laughs> a penis. So, owner. what is their like reasonings?
2: So, you know, it's interesting. There is a gender difference if you look at men's and women's reasons for faking orgasms. Women are more likely to fake it for the benefit of their partner. So, for example, they'll fake an orgasm because they know that this is going to facilitate their partner's orgasm or bring them mm-hmm. pleasure or make them feel accomplished or it's a mm-hmm. self esteem boost. Right. Whereas men are more likely to fake an orgasm for their own personal benefit. Mm -hmm. So it's because it's an uncomfortable situation that they want to get out of. They had too much to drink and they know it's not going to happen and they just don't want it to get awkward. So they're just going to fake it to just kind of end the situation. So, um, you know, the motivations are a little bit different, but, you know, men will fake it for a lot of different reasons. It's often just usually because they can't come um, or they just want it to be over for some reason. Interesting. Or the sex, yeah. It could be the sex just isn't good.
0: Yeah, it's not good. So they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I just <laughs> want this to be done. Interesting. And
2: isn't that weird? Like, it's easier to, to fake an orgasm, pretend like you had the greatest time, and then, you know, call it quits. But I
0: feel like that's why people have such bad sex out there. Because yeah, we fake it, and We're then people don't it. know <laughs> that it was bad, and they don't learn and improve and get better.
1: Right. I mean, that's... I'm like, stop faking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Communicate. Well... <laughs>
0: As a, you know, people are listening to this
1: and hopefully that's, you know, we're starting to have better sex where, where everyone needs a better sex. Let's have
0: better sex in 2022. Thank cool. you.
2: You know, this is a question I've often wondered is, would you actually want to know if you had sex with, let's say not over re- long term relationship partner with, with, with a casual partner and right. they told you it was good, but it wasn't. And okay. so it led you to think that it was good. And then like yeah would you I actually want to
1: know. know the truth i yeah. would like feedback do you want the yeah, I yeah, yeah. I like, like i think i would too because
0: i want to absolutely snatch someone's soul every time i fuck them <laughs> you do
1: <laughs> i don't think i'd want to like
0: like so i want to know yeah. because if it's like if i'm not good i want to know yeah I how, can I know how can i improve
1: how can i improve but i know some people self-awareness some people
0: don't want to know
1: yeah, but I think that comes to like self awareness too, of like like you and I definitely know we like to improve. Like you know, that's something I would want to know.
0: I want to know if I need. I just like be to be the best at everything that I do. Like Jacob's <laughs>
1: giving me feedback on blowjobs. Like oh. I, for sure, he's been like, I like this. I don't like this. Like oh yeah, I like, like. But
0: I also don't want to waste my time doing something if it's not right. Good. Like, um yeah,
1: I don't want to have my mouth on your dick like you know yeah. g- without it being purposeful. Like I want to yeah. be like this <laughs> is like actually getting the job done and like tell me how to you know what do you like
0: you know
2: well, th- maybe the dating app like you should have the option to be like please leave a rating and review <laughs> honestly
0: i really would love to send oh, out yes, like post, post dick surveys out like i've seen it on tiktok yeah. where people have but i'm like i would love to send this out to my people and just be like can you please just leave a rating with some comments yeah. like i would love that um
2: have you had sex like, with me please take this survey yeah
0: <laughs> i should honestly make a google doc i should just I'm running rep- notes Honestly, I'm so tempted. Oh Give me like three white claws one night and I would do we'll it. We'll do it. Okay. I would totally send that out to people.
1: Done. We'll I follow up. What are you working on right now, research-wise? Yeah. What's coming up? What's
0: in the oh, pipeline?
2: Oh, God. Um, I mean, my biggest project right now is I'm working on revisions for the third edition of my human sexuality textbook, The Ooh. Psychology of Human Sexuality.
0: That's so rad. So they're like... There's college professors out there that are teaching a course based on your textbook.
2: Around the world. Hell.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, yes, I love that. Oh,
1: okay. We love this. Okay, so you're working on your third edition.
2: Yeah, I wrote the first edition was published in 2014. So this is my third edition in 10 years. And I know some people are like, oh, people just create new versions of textbooks. To, no, so know. much
0: has changed. The knowledge in
2: sex, like I can't tell you the speed at which things change and how quickly things go out of date or somebody conducts a new study and it contradicts a previous study and it like throws this whole area into question. So you know, these additions revisions are vital and Mm -hmm. I love doing that work because it keeps my knowledge base current because I'm just always able to stay up on what's going on in the world of sex.
1: Where can everybody find you? On all like, we need all the things. I know we were literally <laughs> <laughs> actually
0: before you came in though we were like all on we your were doing backstory. research, I'm just reading yeah. all of the stuff, and we were like, yeah. "Dude, this is so yeah. insightful!" Like your IG page is full of such uh, good drop info.
1: in knowledge bombs. It is
0: amazing. Yeah,
2: I used to post pictures of food and found that <laughs> the, the knowledge like, got more engagement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about sex and food? Not to cut you off, we will yeah. get to it, but like. What's what's that all about? Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, in, in what way? I mean, food I can be sexy. Are you talking about food as aphrodisiacs? Or... No,
0: no, no. I'm talking about like actual fetish. Like, yeah, well, just like um, using like whipped cream and thing, all this stuff like in sexual acts. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's a novelty, right? It's it's just a way of adding this new and different element. To I just feel
0: like it's messy.
2: it is messy it It can get sticky it can also be a form of temperature play so you know ice cubes are one of the more common food like substances people incorporate oh yeah but there's a lot of whipped cream chocolate strawberries do you guys use that
1: stuff um we have done ice 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 is is fine because it's not messy yeah that's you can get creative with ice (laughs) also hot wax oh yeah we've done hot wax that's fun um, Interesting. yeah, the Woomer Woomor play, which is my favorite, it's my favorite lube. Um, they have a candle that like, it's like a candle and it's like a, the sex wax candle candle oh. and you like pour it. It's got a little spout on it. It's very, very, we love it. It's great.
0: <laughs> love that for you. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Fancy lube.
1: I'm not into the food so much too. Cause it's just messy. And like the, it gives the OCD
0: in me. Gives me I feel like all. there's already enough. Like bodily fluids, yeah, change yeah, yeah. mess that I don't need all the other, I don't need that mixed with food.
2: But also I think for some people it's about enhancing taste. Yeah. And so it's like oh, using oh. food to cover something up. <laughs> right,
0: right. Oh, oh, interesting. My Yelp reviews yeah. on that have been great. I <laughs> love
1: that. Five stars on Yelp. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> where Instagram, we want to know where where can we find all your platforms? Okay,
2: so my blog and podcast, uh, Sex and Psychology, you can find it at sexandpsychology.com. And my social media pages, Instagram, Justin Jalen. Miller twitter justin Miller. unfortunately they're different because i created twitter first and then it turns out there's a like 12 year old boy with the same oh. name who already claimed justin Miller on instagram so can i buy you out? yeah so if you follow a 12 year old boy on twitter it's, it's it's not me it's a 12 year old boy um and then i'm on the facebook at uh, facebook uh, okay. dot com slash psychology of sex
1: i actually have one last question yeah, Sorry. Me too. the
0: facebook made me have a question okay <laughs> is it the same question no you go first okay mine is do you feel like you experience or interact differently with people and your content based on which platform you're at totally because facebook i don't even have one anymore because i feel like it's like a boomer meme repost <laughs> platform and i can't imagine anything any good sex going down on Facebook.
2: Hashtag boomers need sex ed too. Yes,
0: they do. I
1: love
2: that. Yeah. I mean, so I I feel like I am a different person on every social media page because everybody's consuming their information in a different Mm -hmm. way. And I think this is where a lot of sex educators and just sort of, People in general go wrong is that they just take the same exact post and put it on every platform Uh in the same way. And it's like, yeah, you're like, that doesn't Doesn't carry, doesn't carry. Absolutely not. So it took me a while to figure out, you know, what works for my Instagram audience. And then like growth was explosive on there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Twitter's a different beast. And Facebook, like, initially grew a lot, but then, you know, they became very censoring of sex yeah. in a lot of Who ways
0: sex had to... <laughs> I know and, and I know
2: Instagram is owned by Facebook but yeah. I, I found it's actually easier to grow on mm-hmm. Instagram than yeah. it is on Facebook anymore
0: yeah it's more millennial based that's why I just had to ask because I I'm fascinated by just the different worlds that live in the different platforms
1: right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah for sure um my question is more geared towards like okay so sex education in a perfect world like what oh. would sex education look like to you
2: Like it does in the Netherlands you know so on my study abroad course we talk a lot about sex ed through a cross-cultural lens and there's this program I love in the Netherlands called Long Live Love and it essentially it starts in kindergarten and when I say it starts in kindergarten like a lot of people freak out they're like why are you teaching kindergartners about sex and it's like no you're starting in kindergarten with just sort of teaching people about the idea of personal boundaries. And it's just sort of creating basic communication skills. And like as they get older, you're teaching them age-appropriate information, what they need to know, like the actual names for their body parts. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. when it gets to be around the time of puberty, then you start talking about sex and how that works and how to stay safe. And so it's just constantly evolving. And it's also adding in the component of like, how do relationships work and Mm -hmm. how do you communicate with other people? And what do you do if you have a sexual disagreement where you want to use a condom, but your partner doesn't? And how do you resolve that? So, you know, I like that comprehensive approach that's sort of lifelong. We're teaching you what you need to know at each stage of life and equipping you with the skills that in your actual everyday life you're going to be able to navigate this successfully so that's what I would like it to look like I would
0: love that I just even the communication aspect I just I've (laughs) never
1: heard it said like that and I think that's actually a really good point it's like sex education growing and evolving as you age and going with like that's a really interesting concept that I've never heard
0: because then you get like us who finally hit college and we're like yeah oh sex is allowed to be talked about this yeah. is weird oh my god
1: if your course had been a, like i would have jumped on taking mm-hmm. your class oh my god okay well
2: now i teach a class for professionals so next time oh i teach it god. i'll let you know and you can come to yes. the netherlands and meet me for a week oh also, my god okay.
0: i i would love to go back to the netherlands I'm not, when I'm kidding. i, went, I was go. 24 so i'm like it's been over a decade I would love oh my god
2: to go we
1: I, I'm i not kidding like I we would love to go
2: and the next one we want to do a back-to-back to a week in the <gasps> Netherlands a week in Germany because you know there's <gasps> oh. an interesting sex culture in Berlin I want to explore as well
0: oh that's amazing I want to, yeah well okay yes yes yes, yes yes We're yes. Going to talk. Wait, yes of course and we're also course. tagging along we've just invited ourselves yeah. to Amsterdam. I know we're coming with you
1: yes but... oh my god thank you so much for coming in this
0: was <sighs> I know. I, I well, I feel questions. like I could talk to you for like 900 years because it's just so interesting. And you actually, I, it's like as much as like Tori and I are horn dogs and
2: could talk about Yeah, it's
0: like day. The fact that you have like the research and the science behind it is, I think, fascinating. I agree. So this has been so much fun. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much. Thank and, you. you know, this is why my podcast is different from other sex podcasts is because I want to actually have some data I could cite for right. the questions that people have about sex because when we don't have data and this is why it's so important to support sex research when we don't have data that's where all the myths and misconceptions mm-hmm. and right. misinformation spreads so support sex research yes, is the message that. I want to, to leave you with.
1: Okay and I then here yeah for that. everyone go follow you on Instagram go listen to his podcast it's wonderful Jake we were, link, we were we'll put a, the link we'll in, in our bio. show notes and yeah. bio yeah. so thank, thank you. you
0: so much Oh Boise, <laughs> I told you it was gonna get. Uh, Why I always just put all my shit out there? And I then I like l- listen back to the episode later. And I'm like Sam, you really should keep some secrets to yourself. You know what? Putting yourself on blast. We're care. here for it. I don't care. Okay? Everyone knows like everything about my life. Absolutely. Now that I've this damn podcast. So I'm here for
1: this. this you're is, welcome. These are the conversations we want to hear.
0: The caller nurse daddy version. It's the conversations we have. Yeah. Truly off the clock. Right. This time we really put them on the mic. But mm-hmm. it was fun. It's so insightful. Absolutely. I honestly i wish that we could have like taken more of his time i yeah. felt bad because i was like i could keep you here for three more hours we had so many
1: asking. questions that I know. we just couldn't even get to but Seriously. we'll do round
0: two spicy we love a
1: round two let us know
0: what you think that was a fun one
1: absolutely uh and in the show notes you guys uh make sure you head over check out his book if you're interested yes definitely
0: especially how to improve here's a book on how to improve your sucks life you're welcome <laughs>
1: Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. As always, make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. You can check out our merch, all of the savings from our partners there linked
0: in the bio, all the goodies. And you can go to up at dawn.com. Dot- Co Mm -hmm. to get our collab sock. Link is in bio also, but you can go directly to there. Get our selfie sock. Please send us pictures of you in it. We love seeing I
1: love seeing
0: them. And you know, am I biased or is it honestly the cutest compression sock you've ever seen?
1: I got it's so freaking cute. It's so fun when I get a compliment at work and I'm like, oh, this is our collab. This is actually my my sock." sock that we designed with this amazing company. It's so much fun, you guys, and they're so soft. They're so comfortable. They're the best Tori's compression socks. Doesn't
0: even smell in them. <laughs> I know, oh my God. And she's got a little situation. <laughs> it's a
1: problem, you know. Um, all
0: right, and then please download, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us those five stars on Spotify, and if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Drop your IG handle in it. We will be sending you out our swag bags full of stickers, pins, all the goodies, all the good stuff
1: yeah those are going out the next week and make sure you guys are following us on our insta that's at nurse
0: Tory and at hey samantha with two a's and stay tuned for a fun bonus Bonus.
1: episode it's gonna be extension it's It's actually kind of it yeah it's on brand dating yeah love that for us love that love that for you okay bye. bye